Hey, everybody. It is Dave and Jeff. It is September 4th, 2022. Uh, in San Diego, it's about 2,000 degrees out, so hopefully this will give you a nice break from the heat. But, Dave, in this garage, as I look immediately to your left, there's a picture. And it's a picture that was taken at our 20th anniversary show, August 1st, 2018. Amazing to think it'll be 25 years coming up in August. But as I look at that picture, I see so many faces of people that mean so much to us, including the one that's right in the middle above my shoulder. And it is so much fun to have her back. We met her right before that, 2017. She came down for the show in 2018. And of course, I'm talking about Lisa. And Lisa, welcome back. It's always a pleasure to have you. It's always great to be on your show and also the friendship that we've built, even though I'm across the states now. We still chat regularly, and it's always great to hear from you. You know, one of the main reasons we're bringing you back, and, and Dave and I have wanted to do this for a long time, is you have a brand new book out. The book is The Life Back, and it is, it's amazing. I, I read a lot. This book caught me so flat-footed going in for what I expected to what it is. It's pretty amazing. But the book starts in 2015. And mm -hmm. if I had the opportunity, if our audience had the opportunity, Dave had the opportunity to know Lisa Ann in 2015, how is she different than Lisa Ann in 22? And is there anything about that version that you miss? Well, I will say, you know, that was really a trying time for me. Uh, in 2016, I was a complete shut-in over that open story from the life back. Uh, other than going to the gym, which luckily I've always found the gym to be the one thing that I will no matter what do, uh, it was a dark time. And I was really challenged by when I left the industry, the way the industry kind of turned and the way people kind of responded was shocking because it had been something I was involved in for at that time, you know, 25 years of my life. And to just know that just by a career change, I mean, look, most people have a career change and you take friends along with you. Uh, you build these relationships, you watch their lives grow, their families grow, but it was different. So it was accepting that just because, and the main thing that I really came to was the understanding that, oh, I no longer had value to any of these people. I was no longer making them money and I was no longer paying them to help them make money or them make money off of me. And that was really something that I didn't see coming. And that blindsided me in a way that was just dark because I gave so much of myself to the industry itself. How much of it for you was they're jealous of my transition that I have a life after the business. And also at the same time, we've spoken over and over again, so many people that either in, in the industry or after the industry have attempted suicide or successfully completed suicide. You know, I couldn't put my finger on blaming jealousy, right? And I know that the younger generation is very interesting because they're like, oh, if you don't have haters, you know, you're not, you're not doing it right. And I'm like, I'm sorry, but I don't come from that world. So I didn't, I couldn't really put my finger on that. I thought it was going to be awesome. I could be a pace car and I could show performers that, hey, the end of the road is not the industry. You can take your brand elsewhere. And I really thought I was going to be this just, you know, beacon of hope. Uh, and it was taken so differently so it is dark and then also when you on the outside looking in it's even stranger because when you're in the industry you're kind of surrounded by this bubble and you live in your own world and you have these interactions these friendships and these things these people and it's very full and robust you're traveling you're doing things 
And then when you leave, you're actually on the outside looking in. So not only do the people from the inside no longer stay connected with you, but you're on the outside now. And I think the first couple of years on the outside of just realizing what people thought and actions were going to be towards me for the first time of traveling without security, for the first time of not being kind of locked into either a hotel, a venue, back to the hotel, or like trying to exist in society was so shocking to me. I could not believe the interactions I had and still have. I just had two pretty wild airport interactions. And one of them was really scary. The other one was just jarring. But like the way people come at you, and I have to tell myself like, okay, they only saw me do one thing. So of course they assume that I want to do that one thing with them, (laughs) even though I don't think that's right. That's on them. Like it's on you if you think, because you love a celebrity, no matter what they do, whether they're an athlete, an actress, whatever they do, just because you love them, when you see them somewhere, you're not entitled to a piece of them. You're not entitled to their time or whatever you want from them. So I think that was really heavy on me. The first couple of years, I thank God had sports radio to fall into and lean in really hard. And I had my friends from outside of the industry. And I'm so glad that I always had my strongest friendships were not in the industry. So, but the way people interacted with me when I was just out trying to live was, so shocking and it still is it still is so shocking to me and I don't know how it still shocks me but I guess it's because I expect more of people and I need to expect less you know I think Lisa when I said the book caught me flat-footed that's a lot of what led to that because when you read the book the life Lisa painted a picture and while there's some changes and you learn about them in the life back you you get the much more 360 degree view of what her life has been I think I probably just took the life at word and thought that's how things went and I wonder for you when the darkness first started coming and some of the most vile things that are said to you and it's amazing Dave think about a woman who's a vegetarian and came to that event that I'm looking at the picture of and is eating barbecued sandwiches from Cali (laughs) Comfort and not saying anything to anybody because she wanted to support a friend and she wanted to support an event. And I think about the people, Lisa, that said those things to you. And I wonder, would they have done the same that night? I don't know them. Maybe, but I doubt it. I don't know that Dave and I would have been able to do it. So when that darkness first happens and they turn on you, how long did it take you to be able to, what we always say, pick yourself up, champions stand up when others stay down. How tough was that process to pick yourself back up and keep moving? It was a little over a year, uh, and it was difficult. I, I did very, I made some big steps. during When it first started, I was like, okay, first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to eliminate alcohol from my life because alcohol is a depressant, and I'm going to lock myself into this house. And the last thing I need to do is sit here and drink. And I had this bar area in my dining room, and I remember a friend of mine had just moved, and his decor kind of resembled this, and I texted him a photo of it. I'm like, dude. I need you to pick this up, all the contents, the bar, the shelves, the glasses, the alcohol. He's like, oh, that would look great in my place. I'm like, just come and get it. And I he was like, why? I'm like, just trust me, just do it. I didn't drink for probably two, two and a half years um, at all. And I'm not a big drinker anyway, but I just knew that like, okay, I need to remove all the variables that could make this time darker. I read a book a week for a year and I, ended, I got through 63 books that year. I watched a ton of television and I know that sounds awful, but 
I just needed to get through it. And so when I would wake up and realize this is my life right now and go through that first half an hour of just crying, I would tell myself, like, you just got to you just got to wait this out. Like, you're going to know when you feel better. Um, but there were times where I didn't know I was going to feel better. I was also going to court. I was being dragged. I was going through safety issues. I was going through every day. There was a new catastrophe that landed in front of my, my life. And it also gave me a little bit of time to be still. It was the first time in my adult life since I was 18. I started traveling with a female review show. It was the first time where I was forced to be still. And when you're still and the dust settles, you start to hear your thoughts. You start to really evaluate your relationships. You start to really think about your existence. And that brought me to other trials and tribulations that you read about in the book. Finally confronting my family. Finally wanting to get a truth from my family of an understanding face-to-face of like, hey, here's what I went through. I'm over it, but it should be discussed. I deserve that. And that was the ultimate end of my relationship with my family. We haven't spoken since 2015. You know, there's so many things there that, that you mentioned that I want to touch on, but but going back to 2016 when we first met you, we met you at Super Bowl 50 in San Francisco. You were nice enough to come on the show. You were nice enough to do our event. You've become what we consider one of our closest friends. We look out for you and we care about what your future is. And when you were talking to us and, and you had the game plan as far as the way your life was going, and a lot of that for all of us has to do with finances. And all of a yeah. sudden, because of people in the industry that ruined your life, and I don't want to give too much away in the book, your finances were, were damaged. I mean, when you have a game plan of saying, this is how my life is going to progress till the day I die. And, and I know I'm going to be okay to see the things I want to see and experience the things I'm going to see, but all of a sudden money's going to become an issue. What was it like for you to sit there and say, this is, it wasn't the way it was written out. I was doing so good. I was devastated. I mean, it took me years to save that money. I went through 80% of my savings in six months dealing with lawyers, going to court, fighting for my product. Um, fighting for things. Then I ended up losing even more money on the back end of sales. Like it, it, it was a catastrophe and I had worked so hard to iron out this plan. I, I look, I understand now that life doesn't always go as planned, but that was so devastating. It was like, okay, it's fine. That, like I don't have any friends in the business anymore. Okay. It's fine that everybody hates me. Okay. It's fine. That everybody's trying to cancel culture me. Okay. It's fine that everybody's bullying me, harassing me, threatening me, death threats, everything. But now, I'm looking at this little bit of money that I have left that I spent 20 plus years saving and I am shook because I'm thinking, yeah, this is not how I expected any of this to go down. Yeah. Lisa tells the story in the life back. You can get it from Amazon, but I would suggest buying it directly from her website because she will sign it for you as she did for both me and Dave. She tells an amazing story. And I think it's a story that everybody can learn from about how something said on social media can really impact your life. And as Lisa said, it led to things being said that impacted her, not just her personal life, but her financial life. And one of the decisions, Lisa, you made was to come back to the industry. You looked at the industry, you said, look, I know what that is, and I know that I can replenish some of the funds that I lost to lawyers uh, by doing this. So when you go back, And I I look, I was thinking about this driving in. Dave and I pretty much knew when we were going to leave iHeart. We knew it. It was just a matter of time. And so for the last probably two weeks doing radio shows in this studio, every day, Lisa, I went in and I tried to soak it in. I tried to soak in the walk. I tried to soak in the people. I tried to soak in the atmosphere. 
And I'm wondering for you, when you go back to the industry, and I don't know how many scenes you did, but let's just say it was 10. When you went back and you did those 10 scenes for you, as you're doing them, and you know what the ultimate picture is, which is to replenish the bank account, what's the mindset? Are you able to look at that and say, hey, this is fun. This is scene number one out of the 10. I've got nine more and I'm gone. Or is it the opposite? Is it the opposite where it's just empty faces and I'm here and I have to do what I have to do to make up for what I lost? The scene itself was always something that I let myself fall into because any job that I take, I'm going to be committed. Um, but the actual doing of the scenes, I produced a ton of my own movies again so I could make money on the back end. So I had to front that money out of my own money. So I took whatever money I had left and threw it back into the business. And the reason I did that is because I was too afraid to be on set with other people. Uh, I had such trust issues from people who ganged up on me that I didn't know, never met people that I recently had hired before all that happened. And everyone turned on me in such a vicious way. I mean, I had to, for court, I had to watch a video from the X-Biz Awards when a woman stood up on stage and said horrible things to me to the whole room. And everybody was cheering and jumping on the bandwagon and then uh, tweeting at me about it. And everyone was so proud. So my biggest thing was paranoia. And so when I would book these locations for my company, I would go and meet the owners. I was afraid that somebody was going to call the cops on my set. I was afraid that somebody was going to come and disrupt my set. I was afraid that somebody was going to find out where I was. So I spent that, like, what is it, about 18 months of just complete and other fear. And even when it came to going out and taking some feature gigs and going, everything I did required an additional 10 hours of me explaining to people how afraid I was. Uh, how scared, how uh, uh, just paranoid, how different it was. And I was just game planning to make my money back and survive the situation. And that was really it. It was like, it was just survival at that point. I was in this mode of like, let me get through this and live. Let me not have something bad happen. Let me do this. And so though I make it the most always because when I'm on set and I'm actually in that moment, in that scene, I can fall into that fantasy. That's what I've done for so many years of my life. It just clicks off. It's like a musician who's going through trauma at home, but as soon as they get on stage, they don't even think about that trauma. That was kind of my scenario. But from the 40 minutes we weren't shooting the scene in photos, you know, from that short period of time it actually takes to create the content, I was living in total fear. Is there a part of you that when things were at their worst in, in that sense, when you're talking about being at the awards banquet and people turn on you, that you're thinking, wait a second, I've made a lot of money for a lot of people in this room. And at the same time, I've opened a lot of doors for people in this room. And the, some of the people that have turned on me are people that I once considered friends and you considered me a friend that, that straight out, it just it hurt your feelings. I mean, that, you know, as, as we say all the time, as, you know, tongue in cheek, you're the Tom Brady of the industry. You know, you, you have made a huge name for yourself and you have opened a bunch of doors for other people to have success in this industry. Was it hurtful? Um, to be honest, I probably cried for the first six months over just that. I was, it was more than hurtful. It was, I'm a sensitive person. People don't know that about me, but I am a sensitive person. And I cried over that fact right there. Of just like, how could my life be erased? How could my existence in this world just be erased by unhappy people who were filled with hate and whatever it was in their mind that thought really it was just 
now looking back, I'm like, they just wanted to jump on the bandwagon. Like there was a new cool kid in town. It was no longer me. And everybody wanted to jump on the bandwagon, but oh, it broke my heart. It did. And it made it so much harder to go back in the business because I could only work with a very small group of people. There was only a handful of people that didn't jump on that bandwagon. So it was like this limited skeleton crew of, of, of camera people, makeup artists. It was like two people of each, right? Uh, when it came to talent, there was about 10 people that I could work with. And that's it. I couldn't invite anybody else on my set. So when Brazzers then came to me and said, we'd like you to do a couple scenes for us, and I made a pretty lucrative deal with them, which really sealed the deal for me to be able to leave again. I had to like sit down with them, like have this come to Jesus conversation of like, I have to have final cut on every decision you're making from what camera guy I'm working with, what photographer I'm working with, what makeup artist and I. So not being a diva, I'm just so scared that I won't sleep for days before the shoot if you don't give me all of that information so I can feel safe. There's uh the movie just was out in theaters. The movie was Elvis. Lisa, did you see that movie? Not yet. I'm going to, though. I heard it was fantastic. Yeah, it, it's really, really good. And what's interesting is they get into Elvis at the end of his career when he signed the contract at the International, which we all probably, for our age, remember as the Las Vegas Hilton. And he basically just showed up and made a boatload of cash and had to do 12 shows. And he did 12 shows a month, cashed in, and made the deal. Look, we're all guys. We look at the cover of this book. You look amazing. If they came to you and said, we'll give you X amount of cash for X amount of scenes a month, is that any part of your life that you could go back to? I don't know how that works. Or is that something where once that door has closed for the last time and the funds were replenished, you said, man, I cannot go back to that. What's your mindset for that? My mindset is I'm where I want to be. Good. So once the funds were replenished, because I got to tell you, coming into the fantasy sports world in 2013 opened up. Look, I met you guys at the Super Bowl in 2016. I was meeting nothing but amazing people. And to me, I started to, you know, when I was going through that dark time, I fell in love with minimalism. So I decided I was going to get rid of 75% of my belongings, become a minimalist, move from a big home to an apartment. And I really wanted to streamline my life. And during that process of minimalism, I also learned, what do you truly value? Well, one of the things I learned is the only real currency we have. Yes, we want money. We want our, our futures to be secure. But the only real currency we have are our relationships. At the end of the day, when you pass on and you're no longer here, your legacy lives on because of your relationships. And so for me, it just became a people thing. And when I went back in for that period of time, it was very eye-opening because I was already, you know, in this minimalist mindset, really, you know, love people, use things. The opposite never works. That's the saying of theirs, which really hits home with me. It's my screensaver on my phone. Love people and use things. And so when I was on set, I was like, I don't love any of these people. You know what? They all have the same complaints they had five years ago. They're all gossiping. They're all talking shit. And I love the people that I've met in the sports world. I love the fact that I can have these random conversations about players and teams and, and our fantasy teams and not get too personal with each other, right? I love the just family life. Like I've met people in radio that make so little money and they're such kind people. They get behind every charity event I am involved with. They, they love their families. They speak of their wives on Mother's Day on the radio and like, 
I just felt this different feeling. And so when I went back and, you know, that 18 months was so eye-opening for me because I was more of an observer. I was really quiet. I was just really, you know, thinking this through. And I realized, like, you know what? These are just not my people. And so I still have some friendships with those people that I brought back on cruise and I stayed with. I just felt a different peace in the sports radio world. And I felt I was rubbing elbows with a different level of people who maybe just weren't as consumed with themselves or you got to be a bit narcissistic to be successful in any business as an entertainer. Right. And I wasn't finding that in sports radio. So even if somebody offered me a ton of money right now to go back again would mean I'm exposing myself again to the reminder of how the industry turned on me. Even some of the companies, you know, that still once in a while reach out to me and I'll forget I didn't block their number yet. I'll just block their number. Um, I don't respond. I just act like I changed my number. And I think to myself, like you were like, I can pull up things you said about me on the internet and you still want to try and make money off me one more time. Like, no, thank you. So there's no level of greed that would fulfill the heart and the feeling in my soul that I have now that I'm living this life. You know, I don't know if you had a chance to watch the Jeter uh, specials, but he uses that line where he says, I remember what you said about me when you said it and what you were wearing yeah. when you said it. And so a, a couple things. One is, as Jeff says, the book, you look amazing. The Instagram posts, Jeff and I say all the time, oh, my God, she, she looks great every single post she puts on. But at the same time, when you had to go back after you said you made these new relationships in 2013, I, I was curious to know, did you feel like, man, I, I, I failed because this isn't what the plan was. And at the same time, you've said on our show how you've changed your body. You talk about how you eat and how you work out and how, you know, you look different than you did, let's say, 15 years ago. What was the response from your fans when they saw a different Lisa Ann? It was 50-50. Uh, a lot of it was very negative. I still get a lot of negative today that I look better when I was thicker. I look better when I had bigger boobs. I, I'm looking old, but I am old. I'm 50, so I can look how I want. Um, I wish everyone looked 50, like you at 50. 50. It was 50-50, and there were people that were supportive, but that first couple of movies that came out, it was a bit jarring. I had to mute and block a lot of people. Um, and I had to have a lot of really uncomfortable conversations. I had, uh, I was, every time I would do like an IG live or a Facebook live, it would be just complaining, complaining, complaining. Like you look awful the way you look, you look so much better, thicker. And I would just say to people like I'm healthier now and I'm happy with the way that I look. Um, but it was trying, it was definitely trying and it was definitely a new experience because it was the first time I was being incredibly judged when I felt better about my body everyone else was kind of complaining like it wasn't good. It's funny because you've talked about it. You talked about the previous times we've had you on. You are a sensitive person, and Dave and I know that. But mm -hmm. I, I laughed earlier when Dave said, ah, you know, we got your back, because if there's anybody who can fight their own fights, it's you. And I'm like, mm -hmm. I'd much rather have Lisa have our back, and, and if there's a fight. And so I'm wondering because I watch you on social media, and, and two parts of this, Lisa. Number one, Am I wrong or does it feel like your day-to-day -day interactions, it feels like your social media has a very clear message, which is very business-oriented and it's very well done and very well produced. But I feel like when we mentioned maybe in 2017, 2018, there may have been more interactions, there may have been more one-on-one, -on -one, and it feels like that has tapered back. Number one, am I right on that? And number two, there is a bit of an edge where people try to push you 
And at a certain point, you're very quick to remind them, hey, I'm in control of this situation. Am I right on that? And where was that developed? So that really came from the situation that I went through and also being able to witness how ugly social media can turn. I'm on Twitter reading threads and not responding more than anything. Not my threads, but like the wonderful things that the Internet says that I can giggle at. Um, but I tapered back because I realized it was a very toxic place, right? Mm. I give myself limited hours to be on. My assistant does a lot of posting for me. I do my own Instagram, uh, and, and we work together on all of my other platforms. Her role to me after we came together and she's such a amazing force in my life was like, Hey, my goal here is for you to read less negative comments. And so like when I delete negative comments from YouTube, I'll let you know, then you can go on and you can interact. So she kind of cleans the space for me and that creates a lot less interactions because a lot of the interactions are negative. So that's helpful. She moderates all my lives. So like she can just ban people. I don't even know what they're saying. I just see all of these comments have been removed and I'm like, wow, people must be saying horrible things today because there's so many comments getting removed. Like she's got to work her tail off when I'm talking live. Um, but I just realized like as long as I'm paying my bills, and I've got some money in the bank. If I would rather sit down and read a book, I'm going to do that. Whereas there was a time where I felt, oh, I have to be on Twitter six, seven hours a day, engaging and talking and engaging and talking. And that just was counterproductive because I would have to see so much garbage in the midst of it all. So now I just try to keep it a positive place. I have my people that when I see a comment come through, I want to respond to them because I know them. They're part of my community. But as for everyone else, you're kind of speaking to the peanut gallery at this point and people just feel it's funny. If you're a celebrity, cancel culture can get you, but if you're not, you can say whatever you want to a celebrity. So there's this double edge, you know, we don't have our own first amendment rights anymore because if we express our opinion, then we can get lambasted for it on social media, but yet anybody else can just express their opinion. So I've tapered it back for my mental health and I've tapered it back for my own ability to know that this isn't the whole world. When I was reading it that much, I became a lot more paranoid with my overall existence. And I really wanted to work on that and be able to go out for a walk and ride a bike and not be afraid of everybody. When you're hearing all that noise all the time, it eventually affects you. Do you think that you that's everybody and you don't want to go anywhere? Lisa, I want to ask you about the part of the book that seemed to uh, touch home with me the most. It was the part when you talked about the relationship with your parents. Mm -hmm. And when I read that part in the book, I was actually getting my car serviced. I'm sitting in the waiting area with, you know, 10 other people. And I'll be honest with you, I had tears rolling down my face. I felt so bad reading the part with your mother and your dad and the bus ride, the bus ride. And, and I mean, it was, all the other stuff is absolutely terrible when, but most people I think always feel like mom and dad are on their team. And yeah. again, I don't want to give a ton away in this book because I recommend everyone read it. It's a very easy book to read. It's super fast to go right through. But the relationship with the parents, did it feel like at the time, the way you wrote it was, at least I know that door is closed. Almost like you, uh, you were content with what happened and kind of like you almost saw the, the ending the way it was going to be. Yeah, I mean, it, and it's, it's a really hard thing because, you know, around the holidays, and I'm always critiquing radio hosts who put out there. I hope you have a great holiday with your family. And I'm always like, can you just say loved ones? Can you not yeah. say family? Because there's so many of us that don't have a functional family. Uh, but we've created a family. We have our friendships. We have the people that we love, you know. But it was 
it was really interesting because I was seeing things clearer then in the darkest time of my life than I ever saw things before. And when I walked into my mom's house and I, I wrote about this, uh, my parents, my, my mom and stepdad redecorated. And when they remodeled their house and I went home to visit for the first time, there was not one photo of me anywhere. Like I, I was erased from their life. And then when I'd go to my dad's house, he had a whole wall of photos of me. Like I was dead. And I was like, Oh my gosh, these people, like my, my father and I didn't speak for 20 plus years. So to walk into his house the very first time at 42 years old and see this shrine. I remember looking over and being like, this is so creepy. Why does he have all these photos of me? Like, this is so creepy. He hasn't talked to me, you know. So they both had this different way of processing. Like, to my dad, I pretty much think he wrote me off as dead. And to my mom, she wanted me dead. Like, she just did not want people in her life to feel that she accepted my lifestyle, uh, that she was, that I was around. She didn't want people that visited them to know that that was actually me. And so I saw that so clearly that trip that I was like, you know, every time I would take the bus from New York to Easton PA to visit my family. And it's crazy because I've started to go back to Easton PA a lot again because I rekindled my relationship during COVID was supposed to be my 30 year high school reunion. And I joined the Facebook group and now I'm going home October 1st for a birthday party. Like I'm going home. It's weird to go to my hometown and not see my parents. But when I would go to visit them, it was, it was weird. It was like I would take the bus home, and usually I, it felt dark. And it would take me a couple of days to, to get my wits back because my mom always made sure that she made me feel absolutely horrible about my choices. There was not a visit where she wouldn't take me to the bus stop and let me know how disappointed she was. So that was really hard. And then I had this, like, really unusual relationship with my dad where we would, like, small talk, but, like, he didn't want to know anything about me at all. So, like, I could tell him where I traveled, and it would just go over his head. And so after the first year of not seeing them, I realized how much more balanced I was, how much I was no longer. I was in relationships with friends that loved me unconditionally for who I was. And though they'll call out a mistake, they never made me feel bad for my existence or my choices. And so... It was a healthy break. I feel like it was destructive trying to make this relationship work for as many years as I did because it was all on me. And that's why on that bus ride, some reason I did the math. And I was like, how many times have my parents visited me anywhere I've lived? Like, how, how many? And, you know, when we were going through the pandemic, I realized, wow, my parents don't even know where I live because I had moved to New York full time in 2019 and they don't even know where I live. And I thought if they don't reach out to me during this scenario, well, let's guess this is over. Like this is over. It was destructive in my life. And that's why when I did that numbers count on the bus and then I decided this is going to be the, this is going to be the visit where I sit everybody down and say, can we just talk about this? I, I need to talk about this. And that was when I realized this was never what I wanted it to be. And I'm never going to be what they want me to be. So this is never going to be more functional than it is right now. Can I accept that? Can I accept coming home and being beat down by my mother verbally every time I visit? And I, I just made the choice where I was like, you know what? They don't want to confront my truth and my past and help heal this situation. Why should I continue to keep going home? And I moved here and had a small apartment in New York when I first started with Sirius. And it was a beautiful time because it was the last three years my grandfather was alive and the last three years Peggy was alive. So I was taking yeah. the bus home all the time. And the fact that when my grandfather passed away, I was just with him like two days before and I was back in the city. My mom knew I was close. The fact that she lied about it 
because she didn't want me to go to the funeral because again, she doesn't tell anybody she knows that she accepts my life. That to me was such a nail in the coffin for our relationship because I spent so much time with my grandfather his last three years, visited him more than my brother did who lives in that town. And the fact that I didn't have the opportunity to say goodbye to him properly and be a part of my family was, I knew it was kind of over then. And that took place earlier that year. I think that whole chapter for me was incredibly difficult, um, not only as your friend, but as a parent. And it's weird how things happen in your life and you start, I was trying to look at it from the point of view of your mom and dad. Now, I don't know either of them. I, I wouldn't say anything, but I was looking at them, Lisa with Jack and Kate, and thinking about could I ever find myself in a situation where I would allow them to get on a bus home and they would be that upset. And I was so thankful Anybody who's gone through depression, you have one thing or one person that you can lean on that kind of helps you get out of it. And Lisa tells a story in there that I think a lot of us can relate to. She just mentioned a woman named Peggy. I will tell you the disappointing thing in the book. As a fight fan, I was hoping the hero would be another native of Easton, Pennsylvania, former heavyweight champion Larry Holmes. <laughs> I said, if Larry Holmes knows that Lisa Ann is struggling, no doubt in my mind the Easton assassin would step right in. Oh, gosh. But it wasn't meant to be. Um, But, hey, there's a podcast that you do right now that is so great. It's so goddamn funny. It's called Dudes Do Better. But the thing that I love, Lisa, is it's not, it's such a wide arrangement of guests. And there are people from the industry but then there are authors and there are doctors. I'm fascinated when you reach out to these people. Have you had any funny experiences from a guest when you reach out and say, hey, I want you to come on my show, Dudes Do Better. Was there anything in particular that stood out as far as a guest's initial reaction to the invite? Well, no, and what's been interesting about that particular podcast is when I when I came back here, I reconnected to my old PR girl, Lainey Spicer. We're very good friends. We've known each other over 20 years. She's awesome. And yeah, she's awesome. And when when this whole thing was inspired, Dudes Do Better, because it was a Dudes Do Better calamity in my life at that time. And <laughs> I had sat down on my couch and I was like, man, Dudes Do Better. And at that moment, I was like, oh, my God, I have to see if the domain is available. And it was. And then I had to see if the social media was available. And it was. So I was like, I have to do this as a podcast, right? And I went to Lainey and I said, you know what, Lainey? I bet you there's a lot of young performers in the industry that don't know what I went through and would want to talk to me. So why should I shut them out, right? This is my way to kind of have my finger on the pulse of the industry and still connect. And I'm meeting all these young people and sending them a copy of my book. And then they have a relatable story and I'm making them feel not as alone. And when it comes to the other people, believe it or not, more people have reached out to me to be on that podcast than I've had to reach out to. And secondly, people are smart. They're like, she's got 4.3 million followers on IG. I'm going to get followers from doing a show with her. So I'm going to do it. So there's that as well. You know, smart business people look at it like this is a great way to get a little bit more social media clout. So I'll do it. I haven't had any weird interactions, but what's been cool is so many of the young performers that I've sent books to, they legit read this thing in a week, right? Which Mm -hmm. is awesome. Because they look at me like I was a role model to them before I was, they were in the industry. They don't know about any of this chaos and they read it and then they're like, oh my gosh. And they'll send me these beautifully thoughtful emails that are so unbelievably kind, like words that are 
almost erasing the mean words that were said to me that are almost building my faith back up and allowing me to be a part of their lives and talk to them about saving their money and, you know, reaching out to me with questions or things and getting together with them. Now, when I'm doing events, I know they all live in different cities, but like I'll be in Vegas and I'll see a couple of them and I'll go, go to Florida and see a couple of them. And I built this little network of, you know, the up and comers or some of the popular girls in the industry today. And I think it's a great cautionary tale for them to remind them, have friends outside of the industry. Don't let the industry use you, use it. Find a secondary career, whether it's you want to start a store on Shopify, whether you're a gamer and you like to be on Twitch, like have an outlet. They can see that my outlet was always sports. And so they can now see, oh, it's imperative that I have an outlet. So um, it's been really fascinating and fun. It's funny. I was going to record a solo because I just had two crazy incidents at the airport. And, and, and I couldn't use them in the monologue for the Lisa Ann experience because they are both dudes to better situations. But I was like, I'm going to use them in the monologue for the next couple because before football season, I collected 20 interviews. Uh, 12 for the least and experience and eight for dudes so that I could just focus on games and my leagues and not have to be hustling as many interviews for like the next couple of months. So I'm like, you know, yeah, these interviews, you should use it. But every time something happens now that's chaotic, I put notes in my phone. I'm like, okay, this is perfect for dudes to do better, whether it's an interaction, <laughs> you know, like I'll, I'll give you guys one that happened. I was flying to Denver and I have these, windows of time that I can exist in the world that other people don't understand. So I have to be at the airport between 5 a.m. and 7 a.m. If I go to the airport between 11 a.m. and 9 at night, it's a free-for-all. I'm going to get asked for photos a bunch. People are going to creep on me. I've had guys follow me in the ladies' room. Like, weird things happen. But those weirdos, they don't want to get up for a 6 a.m. flight, which is fine for me. (laughs) I will do the 6 a.m. flight. So it just so happened I had a draft in the city uh, during the day at one. So I couldn't get on a flight till 7:30 at night I'm sitting at the airport. And I see this group of guys, they had gotten off another flight and I see them just like sitting across the way, just staring at me, staring at me, staring at me, hunting me. Right. And I'm, you know, looking down, reading a fantasy football magazine, you know, doing my thing, trying to ignore them. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to get up and I'm going to go to the bathroom and I'm going to sit somewhere else. And it was weird because I was also flying JetBlue, which I don't normally do. I use American because then I can go in the private lounge no one messes with you in a private lounge. No one is bothering you up there. It's all business travelers. Like everyone's eating and whatever. And so I go to the bathroom, I move. And when I sat down, I didn't even think twice about sitting in a chair that had chairs behind it. And so I'm sitting across from this, I'm sitting across from this husband and wife with this beautiful baby, this beautiful baby. And I'm allowing that to distract me. And all of a sudden one of these guys comes up and he just puts his hand on my shoulder and whispers in my ear, Hey, Lisa Ann, can I have a photo? And it was like the creepiest, most intrusive moment. And now I'm like, now we're going to have a scene. Now this is going to be a scene because you all been staring at me before. (laughs) And I turn around and I look to him. By the way, can I swear on your phone? Yeah, of course. I turn around, I look and I go, why the fuck would I do that? (laughs) And he's like, he's like, well, you know, because I'm a fan. I listen to your podcast. I'm like, well, yeah, if I'm at an event. I said, you'd be glad to come in and get a photo, but you think I'm going to fucking give you a fucking photo after you were staring at me for 45 fucking minutes and making me feel hunted and creeped out. I said, your fucking neediness and your entitlement, oh, because you fucking jerk off to me or you watch my, listen to my podcast, you feel entitled to touch me, to fucking walk up behind me, 
and whisper in my, and he's shook, right? He stands there. He asks me again. No. He's like, oh, well, oh, he did. Oh, and no. that was it. Now we have a scene. He asks Wait, me again. I think I'm we're like, already on this scene. In front of the baby? Now, now, in but, front of the baby, Lisa? <laughs> okay, the baby, as soon as the mother, okay, this is how I knew something was wrong. I'm staring at the baby, and all of a sudden I see the mom grab the baby and pick the baby up and start to walk away. She's before not the guy even. Be, be, before the guy's hand was on my shoulder, oh. she must have seen him coming up from behind. And as soon as that happened, she was out of there. And I was like, some shit's going to go down. So yes, it was a, a mild scene where I was speaking loud, but not yelling. And now I'm like, you're going to fucking ask me again. What part of no? Yes, your mother never said no. But I'm now security's coming over. 110 people getting on my flight are all staring at me now wondering who I am. An airport person is now over there. I hide pretty well at the airport. I wear a hat. I wear a coat. I wear, I cover myself completely. Like I'm dressed so conservative. Like I have, so, so now everyone's staring at now airport security coming over now, whatever, whatever. And this is happening. And I looked at them and I go, you know what, dude, do better. Okay. Dude, do better situation. That's branding. I tell you what. Next time someone asks me for a picture, Lisa Ann, I'm going to drop that same line. Just because you jerk off to me doesn't mean I'm going to yeah. take a picture with you. I, I, I went through everything, feverish, fucking masturbate. Like, I, the arsenal went off because, you know, what people don't realize is, I, and I said to him, I said, when the security was coming up, I said, you know, obviously this fucking kid, the future rapist of America is what I called him, he feels that I have less rights than he does. But guess what? I don't. I have the same amount of rights. And if it's going to be me versus you, and you think you're going to get your way with me, oh, no, 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 no. I'm going to get my way because you just imposed yourself in my space. And so these are the interactions that I mentioned a bit ago when I was talking about being in the outside world. But now I've learned how to make it work. Like, I do have security with me most of the time. If my girlfriends and I are going out at night, I hire an armed cop. Like, I... It's to the point where, and I run by errands, it is between 6 o'clock in the morning and 9 o'clock in the morning. I don't even go downstairs to get packages in my building at certain times. But I fly so under the radar. I moved into a building that has multiple entrance and exits so I can roll without people knowing I'm coming and going. Like, I have all these, I made my building have, everyone had to sign an NBA when I moved in. Like, I am now at that level of, I'll move a certain time, but that afternoon flight, that evening flight does not work for me because everyone, you're just stuck there and everyone thinks, and another thing is I can no longer check a bag. Today I checked a bag and it came down first. I'm so happy. But because when people walk on the plane and realize it's me, if I check bags and I'm by myself, I have to, I'm going to hostage at baggage. And when you're a hostage at baggage, they just start taking pictures of you. And so I have to remove all of my bag tags because they have my real name on it. Like, as soon as I get down there, I take everything off. I'm kind of trying to be a little profile, hide my shit, because I know they're going to take pictures, blow them up, and then they could get all of my information. So, like, who wants to live in that kind of, like, paranoia? That was really something to process, but now I know how to move. And, like, I do have cops at JFK, so that's very helpful. So when I go to baggage, I'll reach out to them beforehand. Like, I do what I can. The American Terminal is my jam, because I've got it on lock. I know TSA. Nobody creeps on me. You know, I go to a random airport and someone checks my ID. They have a million questions for me before they let me through security. And I'm like, yo, like, bro, like, yes, it's my real name. Like, yo, like, yes, it's me. Like, yo, like, just let me get on the plane like other people. 
But um, it's wild how people react to me. Wild. It's scary being in an Uber. It's scary doing anything by myself. You know, and, and that's the message that can't be lost. We, we said earlier, and I said it, there is an edge to Lisa, and that story defines it. But, but let's not lose track of what she just said there. And for all of us that were there that night on August 1st and got to meet her, she did two of the things that night, Lisa, that I guarantee you've lived a thousand lives between August 1st, 2018 and today. You did two things that day that I will never forget. Number one, Dave and I had somebody there, a friend, that had been through some very difficult times in her life. We were not expecting her to be at that show. There were a couple hundred people there. You were moving around, signing books, shaking hands with everybody. I hope everybody at that show was respectful to you as so well. So nice to me. Wonderful. Everyone Good. was. But yeah. you came up to me and you said, tell me about blank. And it caught me. I was like, what? And I started to tell you about our history with this individual and sadly yep. some of the things they had been through. Do you remember this? And you I said, yep. and you said to me, and we went and talked to her, and you said, here's my number. My house is available. I'm available for you anytime. It was unbelievable who you are. The other thing that I remember about that night, and you know this, we've lost my friend Erica Lee. Uh, my friend mm-hmm. Erica Lee was there that night, and at the end of that night, as on a n- night that we wanted to raise $5,000 for local charities, we raised $15,000. I had $15,000 cash in my pocket at a residence in hotel that I drive by every night when I leave this podcast. It was me, Dave, Josh Pellet, Lisa, and Erica Lee. And we were there having Jack Daniels celebrating an incredible yeah. night. And she came from a Chinese culture. They do not understand the industry. They didn't understand anything. And quite frankly, she said, what are you getting me into? <laughs> and I remember afterwards, she apologized. And she said, I'm sorry I doubted you. She's a one amazing person. And I hope, remember, we were, I was at the Wilshire Grand yesterday, Lisa. She said, we're going to build a podcast studio on the yeah. 25th floor of the Wilshire Grand. And please, let's find a way for Lisa to do her podcast here. I will love to have her part of the family. And whatever it was, six months later, she was gone. We lost her to suicide. Oh. But, um, yeah, I mean, it impacts me to this day. But when I look at that and I think about the impact that you made on Erica, I think about the impact you made on our friend. I think about what you did for Sean, that when I hear those things that people do to you, and Dave and I say it all the time, you live such a different life than we could ever imagine. And yet here you are at the end, again, standing. The book is The Life Back. It's absolutely amazing. You can order it. Lisa, Mike, do I have this right? I am so goddamn blind. Shop Lisa Ann. By the way, I really made a big mistake. I bought the domain Shop Lisa Ann. I was super excited about it, guys. I thought this would be the greatest thing ever, right? Okay. So, you know, I forward my old domain, the life back, uh, the, the life Lisa Ann. And I, and I, I you know, yet you get customer emails in the Shopify store, like if the book didn't get delivered, you know, whatever. So you need to check that email. Little did I know that I would get between Two and three hundred emails a day oh, shit. where people think that's where you shop for Lisa Ann. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Oh, just took a second to click in. I have to sit through all this chaos to find the one person that like their book didn't arrive. And it's very important because I don't want to have a bad rating on Shopify. You know, you need these things to happen. But the first week, that I had the domain that I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe Shop Lisa Ann was available. This is amazing. 
the first week it was like it was like getting in the hit in the head with a concrete ball. I was like, oh man. Well, we have a friend that that we all know who lives overseas in Europe. And she follows Dave. She follows me. Lisa, she's very interactive with you. I won't mention her name, but she's a very sweet individual. But when she ordered the book, she wrote about 10 messages in a row. Lisa, my book has not arrived. Lisa, where is my book? My book has not arrived. Lisa, I swear to God, I laughed so hard because one day you just wrote, hey, don't work for the fucking post office. (laughs) (laughs) And I I go, oh, shit. Lisa's by far your number one fan. But I was dying laughing because you know who I'm talking about, right? She had to put the tracking information up every single day. And by the way, this was around President's Day holidays. There were postal days that were closed. It's Germany. Because I don't go to Germany anymore, by the way. I do not. You can buy it on Amazon. You know what? Forget all of you. I will do Canada and the United States. And that is it. The rest of you. Because that was like. Here I am. I'm so excited the book finally got released right. because it was so. It was late because of you know. First it was late because of COVID. Then after COVID, there was a paper shortage. How does this happen? Then there was worker shortages. They couldn't have as many people putting these books together. So all these things happened. And then I finally get on my first round of orders, and I'm getting stalked by this message for ten <laughs> days of the tracking information. And the worst part, you want to know the worst part? I, I put together a whole another package and sent it again. That same person. Did not post a photo when it arrived. Finally, I reached out. I'm like, hey, I see your book arrived. Oh, yeah, I got it. Oh, like, shit. well, that's something you should put out there. And you should probably delete those horrible. Because it was to me, it was like you're trashing my business by oh. putting that out. Oh, I hadn't thought of it that way. Yeah, I just I, I was watching it every way. day. I, I was watching it every day. I go, face? oh, you're going to. Yeah, you're, you're killing the face of my people wanting to order the book from me. Like, that's what you're. Yeah, that, that kind of stuff. Like. And that's when my assistant will come to me and be like, don't look at Twitter today. Don't look at Twitter because somebody is complaining and I can't delete it. So you either have to mute them, block them, or ignore this this brain. And I'm like, oh, okay, okay. Yeah, that was 10 days of torture. Well, the final thing from me, we've kept you way too long, but the book is fantastic. It's a life back. Before you go, I have to ask you, is your Sunday night going to be okay? I'm not sure if you saw, but uh, Yahoo graded your grade, uh, your draft today as C minus. Uh, mine was the name. I don't. You don't listen. What? Those rankings and grades mean nothing. Sounds like an excuse. They don't. They don't. They don't even look at matchups, right? Well, you don't look at the fact that my bye week situation is fantastic. I'm <laughs> not going to be struggling and buying again, and mm. other people are. Who? They don't look at any of the fine details that really matter. My Sunday night's going to be fine. I have another draft tonight at 9 o'clock, okay? <laughs> I hope that you do better. That draft is going to be the same. Lisa, you know, do I'll better. I'll probably get a see. My squad is going to be just fine. Don't you worry your pretty little self over there. I hate to hear so much anger in your tongue. She's right. Lisa, you and I got the same grade, and this guy has not stopped talking for five hours. He's got an A-minus, Lisa. You know what? What? so funny because every league, I just traveled to commission a bunch of leagues, and I'm starting to get into, like, hosting leagues for companies. Where I'm just the commissioner, I'm not playing in the league, but I'm, it's, it's a great team building thing, right? Getting these leagues. And yes. you couldn't believe these people knew nothing about fantasy. But man, as soon as the draft was over and they got their grade, all of a sudden, <laughs> they think they're like the masters of this. I'm like, really? You trust that ranking? You haven't thought about weather. Okay, look, I look at players that play indoors. You take that into consideration because you know what? They get more Yahoo points. Then. You know why? Why? Because when you're playing outdoors, okay. you are going to have less opportunity to throw the ball when it's raining or snowing. And you're going to have a running game, which is going to keep the score lower. When you're in a dome, you can do whatever you choose. Hurts to see you so mad. Uh, don't listen to him, Lisa. This is bullshit. He's been doing to me for almost 25 years. 
August first. My favorite. Hey, August first is twenty five years. Wow, that's amazing! I can't believe you guys have dealt with each other for twenty five years. Me especially. You haven't been to San Diego for a while. You gonna come back in August? I haven't. I have. Are you guys having an anniversary? Goddamn right. <laughs> if you're showing oh, up, we're I'll having come another back one. For that. All right. I'm coming. I'll come back for that for sure. Next August, I'm there. All right. Put it. I know you're busy. And I, listen, I won't even mention the great. I promise you that because <laughs> of how much we love you. You know what? I cannot wait till our matchup. I can't either. I, I it's going to be great. Wait. It's I like can, a bye week. I cannot wait. I cannot wait. I am going to just smack you down. <laughs> that hurts. I, just, I cannot. I cannot. And I'm going to taunt you publicly. I know you will. Is, you do all the time. You got, gonna, I told you. You were gonna, so in my head last year. Not this year. Hey! Oh, you're you're trying to get in my head, but see what you're doing? It's karmic reversal. You oh, are making a this terrible work for accusation. Yourself. Yeah, yeah. You're gonna have injuries. A lot of oh bad my things gosh. happen. Oh boy! Yeah. I tell you what. Yeah. I just would say this. I would. I'm really glad Peggy didn't hear that because I loved her in the book. Thank God she was there for you. And I would have told yeah, her thank she, you and listened to she, uh, lashed out at me. She called me Daredevil my entire childhood. That was her nickname for me. And she knew you were even when I would, Yeah, even when I would bring friends home, because I took a lot of my friends from the nursing home to see her her last couple of years, because I wanted everybody to meet her. She was, like, the most important human in God my, in my life. God bless her, right? God bless and her. I'm so she glad would, she was She there. would tell them all the time, like, I don't know what you're doing with Daredevil, but <laughs> it can't be good. Lisa, we love you. This book is fantastic. I'm so proud of you. Thank I know Dave you. is as well. Yeah, looking forward to seeing you next week in New York. Yes, I can't wait. I get to see you guys. It's so exciting. It's Lisa, awesome. congratulations. Hey, tell people real quick. Let's type everything real quick. If they want to find the podcast, where are we finding them? What's the easiest way to Just find it? Just go to my timelines, the real Lisa Ann on Perfect. all platforms. You'll find everything you need. That's super simple. You're absolutely the greatest. We can't thank you enough for everything and uh, continued success. And we all look forward to seeing you soon. Love you guys. Love, Love you too. too. Thank you. Uh, incredible with Lisa and the book again is the life back. Uh, we're going to be back here. What night are we back down here? Tuesday. Tuesday. Uh, we'll be back Tuesday. We'll get into a lot more different things there. But Dave, there's so much on social media as we record this uh, Sunday afternoon. I was at the LA Coliseum yesterday. I went up, watched USC play Rice. Lincoln Riley era begins. Cool. Defense looked a little shaky early on, but then three pick sixes. Caleb uh, Williams looked incredible, and we had a blast. Good. But I couldn't help but be paying attention to what was going on down here in San Diego with the Aztecs game. Yeah. And the Aztecs kicked off yesterday at 1230 against Arizona. This was a day that this city had counted down to for three-plus years, the launch of Snapdragon Stadium. And unbelievable is San Diego's luck would have it. A miserable, I mean, absolutely miserable day. Remember, these kickoffs for Aztecs are always 7 p.m. or 6 p.m. But because CBS wanted to do the game, they arranged it for 12.30 in the middle of a Saturday, in the middle of the hottest day of the year in probably the last five years. And the Aztecs come out. They fall to Arizona. But because of the heat, the stadium looked empty. I believe I saw 15 different people may have been left there via ambulance. I think that's the number I saw. Don't quote me on that. But then I just saw the absolute beatdown that was given to San Diego State, to to J.D. Wicker, to everybody possible 
for what happened outside of the fact that they laid an egg against Arizona. Which is big. They're, Arizona was 1-23 coming in. You understand they're the yeah. worst team in college football. I, I get all of it. It was the perfect storm of everything. Shit. Right. I don't know if that game happens at 7.30. It was 85 degrees when I got back down yeah. here at 10.30 last Dude, night. It was so fucking hot last night, too. It, it was. It was just, you're right. It couldn't have been worse. I mean, when you sit there and you put in the Matariza story. Right. You put in the stadium story where everyone's excited and then the heat and then the fact right. that the seats aren't packed. You realize right away, I mean, how often are you ever going to say this? Man, they really fucked up the stadium because there's nowhere where there's shade anywhere in that building. Well, and, and I saw a lot of people talking about that today. And I saw a lot of people that said, have you been to the Rose Bowl? Have you been to the Coliseum? Yeah, 24 hours ago. And guess what? There's a ton of shade under the press box, and there's a ton of shade under the big scoreboard. Yeah. But again, I don't think any of us, as this stadium was being built, we all looked at it and said, are there enough seats in there? I don't ever remember any show, including this show, yes, we never ever saying, shade. is there enough shade in there? <laughs> so now that it became a debate yesterday that the Aztecs had not put in 27 awnings, right? Yeah. Like uh, like the convention center, the old sales in tribute to Dennis Conner. Sit down. Or the galaxy, you know? Right, yes. right. Sit down. Like, it just, it sucked. And I felt bad for the Aztecs because I drove by there Friday night. My son and I were driving home and we took Friars Road. Yeah. And you drive by and my son's like, oh man, the parking lot. I go, dude, that's all going to be campus in three years. Yeah. That's a parking lot for now. I go, focus on the stadium. Stadium Dave was lit up. It looked red and black. The boards, I, again, if I have one complaint about this and I have not been inside, but even the Coliseum, the Coliseum, I'll give you an example, has one big board on, on the far, uh, in the end zone. Yeah. Huge. Replays, trivia, the whole thing. And, and, but that board is to my back. The other board across the way is much smaller. Yep. And that board's only showing game stats. So I'm not seeing replays on it. So to see anything, you got to crank your neck around, do the whole thing, right? Depending on where you're sitting. Yeah. For me, I'm looking at these Aztec tickets for next week. JoJo and I were talking about going. And you go, yeah, I could get in for 40 bucks. But I'm directly, you'd be directly behind the one board. Now, I haven't been in. But to me, I look at this and I go, fuck, they even, they had this right at Qualcomm Stadium. They had two boards, one above each end zone. What is this goal now with putting it in the corner of the end zone, basically 11 o'clock and 5 o'clock? To me, it fucks everything up. And maybe <laughs> when I get in there, I, I say it all yeah. in air quotes because I could get in and go, Dave, you know what, what I bitched about three weeks ago wasn't a factor at all. But I think, Dave, I'm going to be spot on. But... This idea that there wasn't enough shade, and I'm sorry for everybody who didn't feel well. There's no fucking way San Diego State could have planned to have it 112 degrees on opening day. God damn, give them a little bit of a break, right? <laughs> oh, you know, every one of my friends who went, and they're season ticket holders. Okay. okay. They jumped in, and they're super excited, and they pulled the move. Hey, do you want to jump into season seats with us? They're like six different couples that are going. None of them made it past halftime. Really? Literally, they said it was that hot. They go, really? they had to go. They knew the game was on TV, and they knew they could shoot back home yeah. within 20 minutes, and they could sit there and watch it, and air conditioning, and see the whole damn game. But they, they said, no joke, that the heat was awful. I was yeah. outside yesterday. You oh. were outside yesterday. 
It couldn't have been more uncomfortable. It was. Right. It really was the most but uncomfortable day of the year. That wasn't JD Wicker's fault. Hundred <laughs> percent. It's not his fault. It's all the weather. But it's. Uh, it was one of those where I think in my mind, at least it's going to be packed. And obviously yeah. it wasn't. And no. so people who I asked, I said, how come it wasn't packed? He goes, and I don't know if this is true. I was told they wanted you to buy like three games at a time. That oh, it was no. like, if you want to go to the game, you also had to buy like Toledo. You had to, you had to see like three different games. Oh, for opening day? Yeah. Okay, that could be. And I was like, fuck, I hope that's not the case. That the Aztecs didn't pull that move. Because, yeah, you want to sit there and go... Hey, wait a second! It's it's this is big. This is the first game ever in Snapdragon Stadium. They overpriced it coming in. Yeah, they overpriced it coming in because, again, they're not playing a Pac-12 schedule. They're not playing a, a SEC schedule. The schedule is garbage. Yeah, and as excited as all of us are, I told you I bought season tickets in 2019 because or 2018, whatever year it was, because I wanted to be first in line to buy season tickets for Snapdragon. Well, then it came. And they started explaining the prices. And then I looked at the schedule and I told them, take me off your call list. There's no return on investment for this. It doesn't change the fact that I like driving by and seeing it. I'm thrilled for everybody in the Aztecs. But for them to act surprised if they're not, if the phones aren't ringing, that's on them. It's overpriced. When the tickets that were left going into yesterday that I saw were 170 a ticket. And Jesus Christ, if people bought those, right? Be like 600 bucks if I wanted to take my boys. And again, the Aztecs can't control it. There's no goddamn way. And even like JoJo and I were talking about going next Saturday. And I'm looking at those tickets and you're directly under the board. Look, man, when you got kids that are 14, that's part of the fan experience. Don't send me messages and go, oh, fuck, come on. I'll bring it two kids. They want to be able to see the replays, right? So if their option is... Um, watch it on home where they can see everything and get the replays or go and not have quite the same experience. Uh, they're probably going to watch at home. Yeah. Uh, they both have a desire to get into Snapdragon, but I said, yeah, but I'm going to wait and see if we can match it up with it's a team that we're interested in and that fits. I mean, I'm lucky we can afford to do some shit, but the tickets I paid to get in for four tickets yesterday, Dave, yeah. at the Rose Bowl. I paid 22 a ticket. Nice. Wasn't, I mean, at the Coliseum. Or at the Coliseum. I paid yeah. 22 a ticket. It was 105 nice. bucks for four of us to go to the Coliseum. We parked at 7th and Fig. We took the Metro in. It was $5 round trip to do it. It was great. And we had a blast. But those tickets aren't going to be the same when Stanford or, or uh, Notre Dame get here. We went to our one game. Yeah. But I just I did feel bad for the Aztecs because it sure felt like everybody started to line them up and and kick them around the block on a tough day. Yeah, no, absolutely, I understand. It's uh, again, it has to get better than this, but it's just typical San Diego State. They just the way that things kind of go. Hey, speaking of someone who knew it was going to be 112 degrees because yep. we've mentioned it in the commercial for uh, nine months. We told you September's hot as fuck. Jesus. Guess what? Alan Taylor knew. He told you. Get on the calendar, assholes. You're going to wish you had that swim pool to jump into. Jeff and I right now are doing the show mid-afternoon, which is something we usually don't do on a Sunday. We usually do the show at night. Yeah. No joke. I don't know about my... Uh, I can see you. You're sweating right through your shirt. I'm sure I'm going right through mine. We look like train wrecks, but it's over 100 degrees right now as we do this show. Alan Taylor's the guy. Look, if you wish you had that pool, why wait any longer? It's goddamn embarrassing. All right, your family's going, come on, can't you sit there and pony up a little bit, Dad? Yeah, come on, Dad. Step up. We need to jump in a pool. We're dying over here. Taylor May Pools, call Alan Taylor. Ask about available financing, 
619-449-4452. Look, it's a question a lot of you need to hear. How much have you lost this year playing PyGal online? <laughs> huh? How much? 400000 I don't know the number. I don't know the number. How much have you lost this year subscribing to OnlyFans accounts? 200000 I don't know. It's a lot of money. I don't run the books for Alan, but I'm guessing that would have built a pool, you creepy bastards. So... Uh, call tailor-made pools. Yeah, it'd be great as if you call. You're all suffering from heat exhaustion. Okay, Alan. Yes, because I'm not interested. But I don't have any guarantees that that's going to happen now. So give tailor-made pools a call and tell them we sent you. By the way, I did like the Larry Holmes line. I'm sorry she didn't laugh as hard as I did, but I thought the Larry Holmes line I was thought funny it, as fun. Listen, wouldn't that have been great if Larry yeah. in his white suit? Oh, my God, dude. I got you, Lisa. <laughs> Dan Williams is who you want to talk to when it, talks, it comes to your money. Look, Dan Williams is a guy. Maybe he can sit there and help you figure it out. Hey, can afford that pool through Alan Taylor. He's the guy to help you get out of debt, manage your money, figure out what you're going to do next. Maybe get out of the rental market and buy a home. Call Dan Williams at 858-688-6813. 858-688-6813. Yeah, boy, right now I think all of us are like, Dan, are there any uh, ways you can help me finance a brand new ice bath? I would like to have that. Dave, what are the other things? Maybe a, an ice cooler. How much are those, and can I afford it right now? Anything. Cold, hard cash. Uh, emphasizing cold for cash. <laughs> My God, unbelievable. Yeah, to get your finances in order right now. By the way, uh, you mentioned Dan Williams. Boy, he sucked today in the draft, didn't he? <laughs> what great did he get? Did he get a C also, like yeah, Lisa and I? Oh, God, you know, it was so hard to look at that today because I'm such a fan of all you guys. Uh, isn't Dan in with Gavin? Uh, isn't that their team? Is that right? They're together? I didn't even know they were together. Are they hosts of Learned Doctors? Yeah, someone took your name. Yeah. I know Bob's Yuma Yuma Donuts. No, that's you. No, I'm not Yuma Yuma Donuts. Who are you? I think I'm Lord of the Rings. Is that you? Yeah. Oh, Lord of the Rings. I don't even see where you are. You haven't been in here. Am I Deshaun Watson's massage parlor? Who's Waddle House? Oh, that's me. I changed it. I changed it. I'm Waddle House. And like the Waffle House? Because oh, I got Waddle. Jalen Waddle. I changed it after the draft. Oh, okay. Well, I'm in three at- different fucking drafts. I'm all confused what name I use. I use a different name for every draft. So from the bottom, Dave's dead last with a C. Lisa Ann. She's the same grade as me. We're there, tied for dead last. I know, but I didn't want to make a joke about Lisa Ann being on the bottom, Dave. Come oh. on, I'm classy. C. So I'm on the bottom. That's funny. Hey, you said it. Whatever pays the rent. Yuma Yuma Donuts is C+. Uh, hey, congratulations to Billy. Fired Pete. Comes in with a solid uh, C-plus effort. Mm, maybe Pete wasn't the problem. Kenyatta <laughs> had a lot of gray in that beard because uh, he was nervous. C-plus. Bishop Sycamore, that's uh, Dan and uh, Gavin. B-minus. Great Goulet, our great friend Kyle Pfluger. B-minus. Uh, the Juice yeah. is, uh, where's, where's Bob? Which one's Bob? Bob is Yuma Yuma Donuts. Oh, that's right. Okay. The Juice is Jimmy Hughes at B. Uh, BK is B. And then, oh, look at right at the top there. Keep walking. 55, my team. A minus. Weird. Weird how that works. All right. Let's screenshot that. Okay. I did screenshot it. Screenshot it, it and let's see exactly what it looks like at the end of the year. Okay. I look forward to that. All right. I don't think you will. Uh, There's only one way to go from there. 
It's fucking down. Tell that to tell that to your Dodgers. Jesus, I did the uh, Yahoo draft of the day. It started talking shit to me. It said, yeah. "We're going to assume after your first two picks." It was the one I did with you on there. Yeah, where I got Devonte Adams and uh, Kelsey in the first two picks. Yeah. We're going to assume after your first two picks, you had taken an important phone call and lost track of what you were doing. <laughs> oh shit! Damn it. Uh, well, again, our thanks to Dan Williams. Even though he can't draft worth his shit, uh, he could definitely help you manage your money, and that's the most important thing. Uh, give him a call. Tell him Dave and Jeff sent you. Brian Curry is also the guy you want to help when it comes to, or call when it comes to finding your new home. He'll help you find the right neighbor, the right school district, you name it. Brian's your guy. Again, congratulations to Brian Poway. One Love again, me. I don't know what happened with Dylan. I think he's hurt. I think that's what they uh, they said on KUSI because Dylan saw, didn't play quarterback. Did you they see Grossman yawn right in the middle of that show? Yeah. That was good. That was good. <laughs> that was good. I love how you have kids in high school football that you're watching these yeah. shows now. That's absolutely great. Well, what the hell is the story with that Nick James guy? He's a, he's a Chula Vista guy. I think he went to Chula Vista High. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. He's the main guy. Don't mess Paul with Rudy's Kay the main guy. He's not. He works mornings. Well, he's at the desk with but, Bert but when Bert's having Monday trouble through staying Thursday, awake. It's <laughs> Bert just fired Thursday. off a yawn on camera. I'm just telling you. Nick James is the new lead anchor. He's the guy. He is? Yeah. What happened to Brandon Stone? He's there. Weekends. I don't know. Nick James is the guy. What do you want me to tell you? I don't, I don't, do, I don't know. Hey, KSI won all the awards, according to the Reader's Poll. I love what they do. That Friday night show is great. There you that go. That was really fun. Brian Curry, call him again for your house of your dreams, 619-251-1588, 619-251-1588. All of us right now would like to move to the Arctic Circle. Brian, do we have an igloo available? Jesus Christ. <laughs> There's nowhere in San Diego. I almost feel like we should just tell Brian, hey, we're going to hold this to November when it's cold and rainy. Because in Carlsbad the other day, it was 95. It's about 211 down here in East Lake today. In La Mesa, it's about 1,200 degrees. I don't know where the fuck you people want to <laughs> live, okay? I don't have the answers. Uh, Brian will help you. He'll help you find that house. God damn. Hopefully they got air conditioning. Not just your neighbor, Chauncey, that comes over Chauncey. and bl- blows in <laughs> your face. You name him Chauncey. <laughs> Outside of Chauncey Phillips, do you know any Chaunceys? No? Okay. I know, but, but Brian says, hey, this house is right in your budget. It doesn't have central air conditioning, but Chauncey! <laughs> That's the dumbest thing you've ever said. He'll come in and blow in your face. <laughs> great. 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 <laughs> Kyle Flukers, you want to talk to when it comes to websites? Again, is your website working the way it's Get supposed out of here, to? Johnson, come. Kyle Flukers, your guy. Again, Kyle Fluker doing great things for us on the Dave and Jeff Show.com and also Jake'sProjects.org. Again, your opportunity to uh, to help a kid out. All you have to do is send people to that website, jakesprojects.org. Kyle Fluger is the one who designed it. Somebody needs help or someone wants to make a donation, please call Kyle Fluger for all your computer needs. 619-500-6621. 619-500-6621. Uh, it's so goddamn good to have a website that works. And we, we talked about it with Lisa, right? Yep. Having the different websites, trying to get it there. People trying to buy Lisa Ann. No, it's not how it works. Not doing an auction. We need flukes to help Lee Santa. Exactly. He's like, I'll do that. You, <laughs> you calm down I'll over there. Come out of the forest. Uh, yeah. How about me cracking jokes today? Do you see the jokes that I made today during our draft? No, I didn't catch it. 
So Lisa did our draft today from the back of a cab. Oh, did she? She was in a cab? Yeah, she was in a cab. So she said, uh, I'm going to tell this cab driver, uh, do you want me to get sick in the back of the cab? Because he's so erratic driving all around. I said, hey, maybe he's nervous. Maybe he's subscribed to your OnlyFans like Bob and Kyle did. (laughs) They never did. Just me throwing it out there, right? So then you said to her, that was my first joke. Didn't get any response from the guys in the league, but I found it very funny. So then you were upset that she stole a player. Yeah, she did. So you said, damn it, Lisa. And she said, that's what I like to see out of you, your hate. (laughs) To which I wrote, get the hint, Dave. That's all she wants to see from you. Dude, I saw your line. I didn't see her line. Hashtag weirdo. Yeah, I saw that. She liked that that one. I saw that. Then she said, uh, this draft is flying. Let's try to be a little faster on our picks. So I said, well, if you watch me, I'm averaging about 4.2 seconds. I call it the, and I won't name our friend. Yeah. I call it the blank on prom night approach. <laughs> she laughed? Yes. Okay, good. I don't think he laughed. Oh, of course not. But yeah. You embarrass him in front of I know. I'm trying to embarrass everybody in the league. Uh, I just kept talking. Jesus. A minus effort. Still. A minus. All right. Brought my mic, and there we go. Hey, can I promote a show we got of coming course. up in a couple of weeks yeah. before that? So we pay attention. How much do you pay attention to Padres Twitter? Like the actual Padres Twitter. Do you pay attention to much of it or do you get out? No, I don't. I just, uh, the people I follow, I mean, if it jumps in the timeline. It is, it is pretty wild. Padres Twitter is pretty wild. And especially this weekend with the interaction with the Dodgers. So there are two people on Padres Twitter that I think you and I find pretty, I mean, there's a lot. But there are two that are pretty damn funny, and one of them I had no idea was this polarizing. So coming up in a couple of weeks when you get back, we're going to have two of them in here. Okay. Our friend Erica will be in here Okay. to talk about what it's like, and also Padre's fangirl. Okay. Now she's coming in here. Now she was in the middle of a wild night last night with Dodger fans. And it's, it's the conversation amongst Padre fans what is said to these two, what happens to them at Petco Park when they go, because they're both very pretty girls yeah. who have posted pictures at the game, how they handle it when people recognize them, because Lisa said it. She goes through shit at the airport. Well, Lisa's used to it. When you're just everyday people, yeah. like fangirl and Erica, and people recognize you, how do they handle it? Like the whole, how they get into Padre Baseball, Hosmer, all these different things. And when they come in here in a couple of weeks, uh, pods hopefully will be right in the middle of a pennant race. So I don't know. I'm looking forward to having them in, Dave. I just wanted them to come in and talk Padre baseball and have some fun. But now when you really look at the different layers to Padre's Twitter, wow. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm into... Padre fans doing this throughout the year, even during the offseason. Yeah. I mean, we, we love talking Padre baseball. I'm always curious to know what people think. And uh, uh, unfortunately, let's be honest, because they're two attractive girls, they're drawing more attention, and not well, all of it is, is positive. I know Mandy, who does the same thing for the Dodgers that Erica does. Yeah. Um, same thing. Like she says right out, my DMs are closed. Like, don't, don't, be, even, right? don't even try. Gotta be. And 
so just different things. But Erica, we've known for a while, and she's great. We love her. Fangirl, I don't know as much, but just telling me stuff the last couple of days of what it's been like, I was like, God damn. Yeah. I've never been happier that we booked somebody to come in and share their story. So, yeah, when we get back, uh, when Dave gets back from the trip, uh, fangirl coming in and Erica coming in talking a little Padre baseball. Good deal. By the way, I realized on my trip, as I told you, I'm hitting the Cubs on Wednesday, Thursday, Yankees Friday, and Mets on Monday. Okay. Mets, I get to see DeGrom. I can oh, look Oh, no shit. One out of five chance I got DeGrom. Beautiful. Yeah, excited about it. All right, here we go. September 4th. How old are they and how much are they worth? Okay. We have three of them. We're going Beyonce. Oh, Beyonce. Very nice. Uh... Forty-seven. God dang it, dude! You're way off, and I, I was gonna go younger than what she is. You're way off. You want to try again? I'm too young, too old, or too? I'm too old. Way too old. Shit, really? Yeah. Thirty-seven. No, forty-one. Oh, okay. Forty-one. But Damn. yeah, dude, I would have thought she, she was still great. in her thirties. She does look great. Uh, Five hundred million. Close. Four hundred and fifty million dollars. Okay. Damon Wayne's. Uh, sixty-two. Exactly right. Uh. Three million. <laughs> Thirty-five million. Oh no, shit! All right, cool. You must oh. have written some stuff. All right, good. I like yeah. that. Remember, he used to be have a TV show on ABC. Oh, that makes sense. Okay. All right, last one. Whitney Cummings. Uh, who produced a shitload of shows? Yeah, Whitney Cummings. Um. All right, I'll use my Beyonce for her. Forty-seven. Forty years old. Getting invited to any of their parties. <laughs> uh, she wrote a bunch of shit too, and I think some of those might be in. She wrote that two broke girls. She did. Is that in syndication? It is. Dude, I'll say uh, thirty million. Exactly right. Yeah, there you go. Good job. All right, five random questions, then we can get the hell out of the heat. Yeah, fuck. Would you rather confess to cheating on your partner or catch your partner cheating? Oh, those both suck, man. They do. Those both suck. Uh, I mean, either one of them, either one of them suck. Uh, I mean, you're done, right? I mean, at that point, the relationship's done. Yeah, but if you walk in and see someone like banging your partner, whoever you're yeah. with, whether you're dating them or married to them, like you literally have to pause for a second. Am I going to kill somebody? Yeah. All right. Let me let me play this game with you, okay? Yeah. Real quick. What if it was Reggie Smith, <laughs> former Dodger? Yeah. Oh, it's a pass. Huh? It's a hall pass. That's how I thought. Smith. Who are you, Ernie? That's what Ernie would have said. That's what Ernie wrote to me yesterday, that dumb fuck. Dude, he's texting me today. Hey, what's the link to the draft? Hey, what the fuck am I? IT? Figure it out. It was Ernie in our draft? Yeah. Oh, I didn't even know Ernie was in the draft. He's in the, the draft with one? Erica, yeah. Oh, I had no idea. And Costa. Yeah, he and Henry. They own a team together. Oh, that's cool. He's doing it this son. Yeah. yeah Ernie's all, because he went to the Dodger Padre game last night. Oh, he did? And oh, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and out of the blue, he just goes, let me remind you, Roberta Clemente was once a Dodger, and it worked out for him, didn't it? And I just did it too soon, and a fucking no response from Ernie. <laughs> All right. <laughs> He's a fucking idiot, dude. That's so funny. He's our favorite idiot. Do you prefer Christmas cookies or Halloween candy? Oh, that's a great one. That is a great one. Oh, shit. Uh, I'm going to go Christmas cookies because really? Jack and Cade's mom bakes them. Okay. And she's incredible. I'm going Halloween candy. That's pretty good. What are you going to hit in there? You're probably a Twizzler guy. I'm a Three Musketeers guy. I don't know. I like them all. Bad. I like them all. 
All right, let me give you a couple of people. Dude, I can't Ken. eat any of that anymore. We talked about know, last week either. what you can eat and can't eat. I can't eat anything with sugar in it. It makes me sick as shit. Uh, let, me give, let me give you just a couple of random names, okay? Yeah. You tell me what their Halloween candy is, okay? Let me start real quick with, uh, I'm just going to do listeners. Pete and Point Loma. <laughs> Mike and Ike's. He's not a Mike and Ike's guy. He's old-fashioned. Good and plenty. I'm going to say he's a Butterfinger guy. That's what that's what Billy used to call him in high school. Exactly. That's good writing by you. Uh, what's Erica eating? Tiny tarts. Oh, that's true. Huh? That's true. Smarties. Smarties. Nerds. Yeah. Whatever. Nerds. Anything that's small that she won't drop with those tiny hands. What's Costa eating? Those little remember those little chocolate yeah. liquor things. Yeah. With Cavassi. No kidding. No kidding. Oh, Mike's sitting there trying to get drunk drunk well, off you chocolate. Hashtagged her today, Little Lush. Oh yeah, that's what I wrote. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I fucking forgot I did that. Uh, you told me I couldn't go by elementary schools because you fucking uh, report for ESPN and then you rip their draft. Oh uh, no. Dude, I hated their draft. I like okay, the Yahoo draft. You still better. get a check from them, you fucking idiot. Oh my idiot. god, dude. Yeah, you're so Fuck, stupid. Dude, I don't know. Well hell, I misspelled her, her loud. I, I know, that was great. I was doing add three different texts at one time or yeah. tweets and texts, and I'm like, fuck it. I misspelled the shit. And then Josh hammered me. Dude. He fucking <laughs> screenshotted my bullshit text and I didn't yeah, realize send a picture of Donovan. Yeah. He's trying to figure out how to direct, uh, decorate his house. What artwork should I put up is what he asked me. I told him I'd have Joe send him a picture. Dude, I, and love- I said you could give your picture of Donovan to Dale. I love that he, he said he'd give him a Lisa Ann. I mean, a Lisa, Lisa picture. Goddamn right, Velvet. Oh, my God, that's funny as fuck. All right. All right, here we go. Would you rather lose your long-term memory or short-term memory? I think oh. I've already lost my short-term memory. Yeah, my I'm not short-term even kidding. memory shit. Uh, short-term. I, I easily have early-onset Alzheimer's. Man, I, I can't remember anything. Dude, there's so many days. I don't even know what the fuck I'm supposed <laughs> to be doing right then. 100%. I don't know shit. Have you gotten to the point where you walk into the kitchen and go, what the fuck am I doing here? Yeah, all the time. Get in the car. Fuck am I going? What was I doing? <laughs> I make it down here twice a week. Right. Would you rather be stranded in the jungle or the desert? A uh, jungle. Me too. Me yeah, too. Desert Fuck, would this, suck. This, this heat right now makes you realize no. This heat also makes you realize I'm not moving to Florida. No. I'm fucking doing that. No, because we don't. As bad as it is, we don't have fucking gators crossing the street or crocodiles. Oh, my gosh. No joke. Today was the first day. It's so fucking hot right now that yeah. I, I literally was like, I should just pack up and move everything inside. I knew we'd have an echo, but I was like, we're just getting AC. It's so goddamn hot. Uh, where we I got to tell you this story yeah. real quick. So I'm at the Coliseum yesterday, right? Yeah. And I wear a Raiders football T-shirt. Okay. Lisa said this today, but I got to confess to this. This has happened. Yeah. So I got a Raiders football shirt on just because it's lightweight. It's cotton and it's gray, but fuck, it's 200 degrees up there. But I'm forgetting, you know, going in, I'm at the Coliseum where the Raiders used to play. Yeah. Dude, it's got to be 10 different times. Raiders! Yeah. Guys high-fiving me. My sons and my brother are dying laughing, right? The whole thing. So we're sitting there. You're drinking lemonade and water. You're just trying to stay hydrated. It's so fucking hot. We're in the sun. And, uh... I come out, and I got to go to the men's room. So I come out, and these two guys yell at me. They're standing right by the door. They're like, Raiders. I go, hey, fuck yeah. <laughs> Smoke the Chargers on the 11th, right? And then we're good. And they go, ah, oh, that'd be great. So I walk in the bathroom, and I'm like, 
I never go in the upstairs bathrooms at the Coliseum, right? I've always used the downstairs yeah. one. So I'm like, oh, upstairs. So I'm walking in. And like, I don't really look. And there's like, just like, when I first come in, I think it's weird because there's like six stalls. Yeah. I'm like, oh, well, fuck it. All right. I was, nobody's in here. It's 9,000 degrees. So I go in the stall, get rid of the water, and I hear the other stall flush. Walk out, and it's me and a 65-year-old Asian woman. <laughs> you walked to the women's bathroom? Yeah. Fuck, dude. So I go, oh, shit. You didn't notice there were no, no urinals? Fuck. No. So now, fuck, fuck. now I'm like, oh, fuck. So I get back out. There's two Raider guys. Wait, what did the Asian woman say? Hey! <laughs> I'm like, God, God damn it. So now I think I'm going to get arrested or tasered, right? So I get outside, and the two guys are there. I go, hey. Why the fuck did you tell me that's a ladies' room? What? I go, you just let me fucking walk into the ladies' room. Hey, what the fuck are you doing? I go, hey, what the fuck are you doing? We're dying. They go, shit, we were just going in there. I go, well, don't do it. So now I get back to my sons. I got to confess what I did, right? Yeah. So I get back to my sons. I go, God damn, when you go out there, the men's room is the first one. The women's room is the second one. I had it reversed. Yeah. So what does that mean? I go, I went to the goddamn women's room. <laughs> now, about five years ago. You know what's funny? At our age, there aren't too many things that make you nervous. Right. That makes you nervous. Well, hang on. Yeah. Now, five years ago, we go to Wild Wings. And if you think about Wild Wings, when you walk in, and if you walk in the front door, the restrooms a lot of times are to your right and in the back. You know what I'm saying, Dave? Yeah. Like you walk in the hostess stand, there's tables. And we go there a lot. My son loves it. We can watch the games restrooms in the back every time it's the men's room to the right yeah i don't know which one we were at it might have been santee or somewhere and i go and i go to the right and it's the same thing it's just a stall thing and i'm not really paying attention my sons are like eight nine i go i come out and they're screaming at me in wild rooms what are you doing get out of the woman's room so I did it there. So now I have to admit to these two guys, right? Hey, is that your thing or something? <laughs> so it's been my thing. I didn't think I met your mom. And dude, Fuck. I'm just getting killed at the Coliseum, right? Hey, what are you doing, weirdo? <laughs> they calling you weirdo now? Yeah. That's the worst. Jack goes to me, straight face. Hey, what, what is, is that your thing? I go, no, it's not my thing. Yeah. What are you doing? Oh, my God. It's painted. You can't tell the difference between a woman or a man. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And dude. so then when she just said that guy followed her into the woman's room oh today at Denver, I was yeah. like, uh, oh, shit. i just been an idiot like me. Oh, my God, dude. That's crazy. Yeah. All right. That's my apologies. My apologies to the woman who sure. I probably. Sure. We just lost her as a Patreon. I know. God damn it. Sorry. All right. Last question. We'll get out of here. Would okay. you rather spend every weekend indoors or spend every weekend outdoors? Oh, outdoors. I'm indoors. I, yeah, dude, I got the TV. I'm set. Especially now, this time of year, watching college football on Saturday and the NFL on Sunday. I, know, I don't so need to good. go anywhere. All right. Our thanks to Lisa Ann. The book, again, is The Life Back. Congratulations to me for an A-minus draft. Sorry for all you other guys. Man, that was pathetic to watch. <laughs> and uh, congratulations to our friend Erica for the other draft. Uh, number one draft. I was second in that one. So it's good.
Yep. But uh, we'll be back here Tuesday night. We'll do it all again. Good deal. All right, everybody.